It's time for a new evolution in raising golfers, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, or heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to introduce children to the game of golf, help them play competitively, or play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent, player, or coach who wants to build a better team at home and on the golf course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. Hey everyone, I hope you had a great weekend. I know I did spend some quality time with my family out playing some golf, and I'm just so appreciative of the game of golf, of how it allows us to involve and include the entire family and allow us to spend some quality time together outside playing a game that we all love. Today we have a guest, Neil Plimmer. He was recommended to have on the podcast from many professionals from all over the globe. He's a PJ professional of over 20 years based in the southern part of the UK. I think it's quite simple and I think the game of golf is set up really simple for children to play and for families to play together. We, when I say we, myself and colleagues, have been probably guilty of overcomplicating things rather than saying, here's a ball, here's a club, here's the golf course, now just go and play. Hit it from A to B. We're here if you need us, but as long as you're safe, and as long as you play briskly, and as long as you're aware of the other people around you, just go and play. His company, Jolf, primarily focuses on introducing the game of golf to children in schools, and now involving the entire family to share the golf experience together. He has spoken about his program and philosophy on junior golf to coaches around the world and completely changed their perspective. And I know as parents, I'm sure he'll change ours as well. This is going to be a great episode for all of us to listen in on. Neil, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this. It's been um, it's been a long lockdown of talking to people, but not talking to as many people as I like. So quite looking yeah. forward to getting to somebody. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm excited as well because when I've talked to other coaches about uh, early development in golf, your name obviously has come up a couple of times, and I'm just happy that we're able to talk again. I know we had a previous talk a few weeks ago before recording this episode. So just a few things people should understand is is one thing that I think is quite interesting about yourself is that your perspective on how the game should be introduced to people is quite different than what you hear from other coaches or maybe the norm. So I'm excited to kind of dive deep into that today. Yeah, I mean, for the last eight to 10 years, I and a number of my colleagues, we've focused exclusively on coaching children. So we've made decisions along the way to um, to not coach adults, to, to, to specialise. And, and, and as we've as we continue to specialise, we've, we've sort of got further and further and further. So we, we're very clear now, the participant that we're working with and why. So children and their families that are just having their first experiences at golf, whether that be in a school or a community setting, and then giving them the, the most positive first experience we can, and then access an opportunity to play further. So we have very little want or concern about how good they get, and more about whether they have that first access and opportunity to play, and then doing it again, doing it again, doing it again. Yeah, it, it seems like such a simple idea and concept, if you actually sit down and think about it, right? But <laughs> We've it's, thought about it a lot. <laughs> right. But it's obviously just, it's missed from the coaching perspective. And I think even sometimes, you know, myself as a parent and other parents, we forget about how important that really is. I think all of children's sport activity has been professionalized over the last however many years. And, you know, we've been probably party to a lot of that where, 
you know, we get children involved in coaching and, you know, they need to do this and they need to do that. And need is a big word, which maybe we'll come back to. Um, but I think as children's sport, and when I say children, I've, I, I normally mean sort of age four to 11, four to nine. And I think as it's become more and more professionalised, you know, whether children have got to get started early, because um, if they don't, they're going to lose time. I think we've lost sight of they're just children. And I know you'll see through social media, a lot of people say they're not mini adults, they're not mini adults, they're not mini adults, they're just children. But I think as coaches have got more professional in children's sports, I think sometimes that's forgotten. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So I think the premise for today is we're going to talk about how to introduce juniors to the game of golf and yep. also how to involve the whole family in the process, which is something that I think you're moving heavily in that direction with your programs. We are. Um, and, and, you know, obviously we've chatted previously and we've, we've, we've put together a few questions, but I think it's quite simple. And I think the game of golf is set up really simple for children to play and for families to play together. And I don't think people, when I say people, I'm, I'm probably going to talk about children and adults. And when I say adults, I mean parents and coaches. So we're all in this together. Um, rather than, I think as we discussed, you have the child, you have the parents and you have the, the coaches and everybody sort of tries to get along. But I don't think that sort of dynamic of the, the three areas always works out. But I think it's quite simple and I think it's been overcomplicated for a long time. And again, I'd say that we, when I say we, myself and my colleagues, have been probably guilty of overcomplicating things rather than saying, here's a ball, here's a club, here's the golf course now just go and play right hit it from a to b we're here if you need us but as long as you're safe and as long as you play briskly and as long as you're aware of the other people around you just go and play just like you would if you played crazy golf i mean crazy golf is a great example of golf being played without any real rules or barriers or adults having to get involved and i think that's a Crazy golf is a good representation of what probably golf should look like for children and families, but obviously scaled maybe. Up. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, yeah, people just love doing it. You know, we go into school, have you played golf for? Everybody puts a hand up for crazy golf. Right, exactly. So, in your opinion, what is the ultimate goal for a family new to golf then? Go onto a golf course, play golf, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again, keep doing it. That's it. No, I totally agree. <laughs> there's there's nothing else to it there is nothing else to it. we we ran a family event last week six holes played six holes walked off after six holes everyone had had a good time everyone was keen to do it again i think we as a company we've tried to facilitate that and, and i've used the term and, I, and I'm, I, don't, I don't i haven't quite got it right now but i've used the term as bubble wrap so we're the bubble wrap between the family and the golf club and the golf course because i think golf clubs and golf courses have traditions they have cultures they have ways of doing things that families don't don't either know about and or don't care for and or are scared of and I think we as where our business is at the moment we're trying to facilitate that and I think if families want to go and play golf I think they need to just be aware probably of the traditions and the cultures and what to be expecting the people around and I think if you're if you're aware then it's less it's less scary proposition because I don't think golfers quite quite know quite understand probably how scary it is for a new family to say walk through or drive through the gates get to the car park where do we go next what do we do how do we do it um we're going to ruin this lovely grass um it's it, it's tricky well, let's go through that scenario right now then so your kid he's just experienced golf at school yeah. maybe taking his first lesson and he comes maybe. home yeah 
comes home and it doesn't have to does i say maybe because they don't have to have they don't <laughs> we'll, we'll maybe come back to that but golf lessons that golf lesson that golf coaching they children and the family they don't necessarily need to have that and i think that's probably where we've come to a some interesting conclusions over lockdown that maybe sometimes coaching learning lessons technique properly um adults can be a massive barrier to children and families continuing to play. So maybe a better scenario would be then your child's come home, he's just experienced golf at school or played mini golf with his friends. Yes, some setting, yes. And then he comes home and tells the parents that he's excited, he's just played this new sport. And you as the parent, you have no clue what to do. So where do we start? Well, yeah, it's really difficult. And 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 it's really difficult because if you were to put in children's golf, family golf into, say, Google, it often comes up as coaching. So, you know, go and have golf lessons. The right way to do things is to go and have golf lessons. And that's what we've done. We've done that for a long, long time. What I and we firmly believe now is that you don't necessarily need to go and have those golf lessons. What you possibly need, and I'm hesitating here because I'm I'm aware that there's a whole industry and there's a whole psyche around, right, if you want your children to start in golf, they've got to do it properly and they've got to learn how to do it and they've got to have golf lessons. Um, mm. So you go and search out your local PGA Pro and that's been the way it's been done forever. And children will have a fantastic time and, you know, children will go and learn to swing a golf club. But I'm not sure whether they necessarily all then or as many as they should progress to playing golf. Right. And so what we're positing is we're saying have that first experience create the spark which is a, as a as a business we want to create the spark in children to say i like golf i really enjoy golf i want to do more and then support guide and facilitate the family the family unit to play so we will then offer that opportunity to go to the golf course to play the first one three six whatever holes with our support and get on the golf course and play and I think that transition from first touch experience to playing on the golf course either doesn't happen, takes too long, too much is in the way. Now, that said, you know, going to crazy golf, going to hit balls in the driving range, going to practice on the putting green, they're all great things. But I think as an industry and, and, and you know, and certainly talking to parents and adults, access and opportunity to play on the golf course is the first thing you should be searching out. So I think probably for a family to say, right, we need to try and find a family-friendly facility, a family-friendly golf club that will allow us, whether that be pitch and putt, whether it be short course, whether it be getting on a big course at a at an off-peak time, to go and play on the golf course because we want to experience it. Right. And I don't think that happens enough. I, don't, I, I, I think so many of the initiatives that we've run in the past have been your child shows an interest. You come and search us out because we know what we're doing. Right, okay, you, you need to come to us and we'll, we'll, we'll get them involved in a coaching session and they'll come every week. And we've probably been guilty of not accessing the golf course as much as we should, not initiating that playing golf. No, I totally agree. So, you know, whether this happens before the family goes on the golf course for the first time or after, what are some things that parents need to understand about golf? So, for example... What is it a parent needs to understand about child development at a young age? I think that parents know. I think they know more than they give themselves credit for. I think what 
so many parents do and you know I've been guilty of this all to a certain extent is trying to help when help's not needed mm. so if a child of four years old puts a club in their hands hits the ball misses it instantly adults so when I say adults I mean probably parents and coaches that there's there's some advice to do this to do that to not do this to not do that now missing it is fine <laughs> You know, missing the ball is a prerequisite probably of learning to play the game. And then they've got the, the, the you know, we, we were talking about, then then the tips come out of keep your head still, make sure your hands are on the golf club correctly, keep your feet still, swing slowly, keep your arms straight, keep your head down. Now, none of those things are going to help the child hit the golf ball. They might make contact with it the next time, but they won't be able to strike it and flight it and send it, which is what they need to be able to do. Where's that? So, why? Because children are built to move. Children are built to move. And I think as, as, as adults, we need to allow them to find their movement patterns, fail, miss it, explore different ways of moving. So just take, for example, feet, you know, keep your feet still. As soon as you say to a young child, keep your feet still, then all of their ability to move themselves in sequence and create power from the ground upwards is gone. They just can't do it. They can't transfer weight. They can't move in sequence. They can't move towards the target. They can't get the club moving. That's just one of the things, and that's one thing that we hear so often, keep your feet still, point your feet in the right direction. Those things really don't matter. What really matters is that the child can hit it from the middle of the golf club, make the sound, point the club where they want it to go, and then do it in lots and lots of different ways. Right. And I think there's a fear sometimes of if we don't tell them these things that we think are important, then we're going to lose out on time further down the line. But that's not the case. You know, golf's a game that you can play forever and ever and ever. And, you know, I think it's only over the last, what, maybe 15, 20 years that children have been allowed to start playing earlier and earlier and earlier. Equipment's got better, access opportunities got. So you do see now three, four, five, six-year-olds playing. Um, but I think adults have imposed the adult version of the game on these young children. And I don't think we've, ta- I don't think we've taken a child-friendly approach to to how golf's learned no i would agree take for example montessori so a montessori nursery who allows children to explore and create and and do things their way and make their own rules you know and i I think golf is well positioned to be able to allow children to learn in if you like a sort of a montessori way which is very much been some of our foundations with what we've done in the past yeah i actually i really enjoyed one of these posts you had on your blog and it said, what should a kid's golf swing look like at different ages? And then you posted a bunch of pictures. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was, it was so true. And I think it's something that everybody should understand. And I clicked the blog post because I was just interested. And then when I saw the pictures, I was like, I just love this. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, we again, we've seen, you know, in school, we've seen thousands upon thousands upon thousands of children. And so in school, the setup is here's the club here's the ball here's the golf course that we set up now go and play so you'll get them holding it this way that way upside down left to right all sorts of different ways and i think it's only when you see children play in that raw state can you begin to understand that ah maybe this one size of left foot right foot left hand right hand swing it to l to l maybe that's not always the best way for everybody it might be the best way for some and for a minority, but not for the majority. Rather than saying, here's the club, here's the ball, here's, there's where you want to send it, show me what you've got. And the thing is, we, we want children to be flexible, we want them to be adaptable, we want them to be creative, we want them to be 
to discover. So we have all these different things that we want. And I think a lot of people would agree that they're really important. But then the adult's behaviour is is the opposite to that by, no, no, we want you to discover and be flexible and be adaptable and get onto the golf course and be creative. But you've got to make sure you do it in these right ways, left foot, right foot, left hand, right hand, L to L. And there's lots of creative and fantastic ways that people have found out of doing that. But we much prefer saying, let's see what you've got and let's guide and let's nudge and let's facilitate. Let's just push you in a certain direction of sending it higher, sending it further, sending it straighter, being able to control it when you need to. And and surely the best scenario is that the child comes back to you and says, "Ah, I've been doing this. Now I want some help doing that. Mm. And so as an adult, we've just got to be ready and prepared for when they ask and when they want to do something different and that's not even necessarily better because again i think society nowadays wants everybody to pursue to be the best they can be and to be better and to be an elite performer and you know golf's a sport that being rubbish at it is fine a lot of people already are (laughs) the majority of the population who play golf are rubbish and enjoy it just as much as anything Right. And so we've we said in the past, it's a conversation I've had with a lot of girls, especially of, say, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. Maybe, you know, physically and mentally, they're going through lots of different changes and earlier than boys. And they say, oh, well, why don't you enjoy golf? Oh, well, I don't like being rubbish at it. And I've said, you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, I love it. OK, so you can be rubbish at it and enjoy it. And that's fine. Don't let anybody tell you any difference. Mm. And, and then suddenly you can see there's like a click. What, I'm allowed to be rubbish? And I can still enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll carry on with that. You know, it's interesting as well, because like what you touched on, you might get a kid that walks in and he holds the club with one hand. I saw some of these pictures on your post and yep. he just swings it with the one hand. Right. Yep. And you'd be surprised that over time, if you don't say anything, to that kid, he might watch other kids in the class or he yep. might see something on TV. And then next thing you know, without anybody ever even telling the kid over some length of time, he starts holding the club maybe closer to what might look like or an adult would hold a golf club, right? And you don't have to say anything about it. Happens all the while. So, so, so again, you know, you look at those pictures, that one child, and I, I can vividly remember quite a number of them, that one child who, who will be in reception class, so they'll be three, four, five years old, will, why will they hold it with one hand? Well, that's the question I want answering first. Why, why do they hold it with one hand? So it's not, we need to get them holding it with two hands as quickly as we can. It's like, well, oh, that's really interesting. Why are they doing that? Uh, well, and so speaking to the teacher, how do they get on with, you know, holding a pen? Oh, yeah, that's a real struggle for them because they haven't developed those fine motor skills, motor control. They've never done it before. When they have put a stick in their hand, it's been a, you know, that's how they would do it. They would hold it in a straight line, one handed. And that's the way it's tap, 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 tap. Well, that's that's OK. <laughs> well, what, what, why is that not OK? And so a lot of people will then, and I've been challenged numerous times. So when would you teach the grip? Uh, well, I might never. We might never. And a lot of people have a real struggle with that. We might never. What do you mean you might never? Well, we might we might never teach the grip to, to that specific child. Why not? Because I think if we do a good enough job, and when I say we, we the adults do a good enough job of giving them opportunity to play, giving them, well, opportunity to play in lots, in lots of different ways, they'll find their own best way. And, you know, if you want to be effective sending the golf ball high, fast, straight in a certain direction, your hands will eventually come together. Your hand, you will, you will eventually start to move in a, in, a, in a way that looks more traditional golf. And I think right. it's being patient. And I think maybe as adults, we need to be a little bit more patient with children 
I suppose we, we've learned to be patient because we know of the steps and the processes that the ch- all of the children will take because we've seen a lot of them do it. Mm. And, and I think we're patient to allow them to explore because also we've got no fixed agenda of the way we want them to play. I think so often adults say, right, here's golf. This is the way you must play it. This is the way you must hold it. This is the way you must stand. This is the way you must swing. These are the clubs you need in the bag. And so again, it's that it's that adult down version of the game that's imposed on children, rather than here's a ball, here's a club, here's a an area. Show me what you've got. What are some other myths that you have to share about the game of golf? Well, I think we spoke earlier, and I think a lot of them are generally around the sort of technical side. It's often just that sense of unease, you know. So if you go to the driving range, you stand next to dad, daughter. And it will be head down, head still, swing slowly. And lots of encouragement in between. Left arm straight, keep your feet steady, point, point, point your feet, make sure your, your, your feet are pointing in the right direction. And all those things that for years we've just accepted as the right way to do it. Rather than, you know, can you hit the middle of the club? Where did you hit it on the club? Where was the club pointing? Can you show me how many different ways you can point the club in a different direction? Can you point it up? Can you point it down? Can you point it left? Can you point it right? Can you swing it a bit faster? Can you swing it a bit slower? Can you swing it to the left? Can you swing it to the right? You can start to see how then children are there. They're ready then to to adapt to the conditions of the golf course. Hmm. The golf course asks us to be flexible. It asks us to adapt. It asks us to be creative. And yet the way we are, the way we adults have delivered the game to children zaps that out of them how do you handle when an adult questions your reasoning behind these myths so they say well you know i don't know if this is the way i think the kids should should learn the game yeah and, and I, but I, well i asked them well how have you come to believe that that's true because that's fine you know we, we all believe things and we all understand things because of our view of the world so you've had your experiences as we spoke about you know china and the way that looks at and then home and then you have your children and so you've come to where you are because of your experiences and so I'm now I'm now very comfortable and respectful of the fact that the adults that we come into contact with have these beliefs and understanding because of where they've traveled in the the world to get to where they are so for me it's it's a case of why do you believe that to be true so I don't because I can give you these reasons so why do you believe that to be true? And and ultimately, if it's that parent and that child and they think that's the best way, then that's fine. I've got no problem with that because as parents, we're all trying to do the best job we can without a rule book. Right. There's no rule book to parenting. So and there's no rule book to to starting children off to play golf. No, there's not. Because every single child and every single parent and every single situation is, is very, very different. So I think for me, I've become more respectful and aware of everybody's situation is very, very different. Mm. And it's the same for children. You know, children will hold it with one hand, two hand, low left hand, split handed for a reason. So maybe as adults, we need to sort of think, hmm, why is that first? So children hold the club like that split-handed right hand below left if they're right-handed golfer generally because the clubs are too heavy Mm. if that club is too heavy and if adults says put your hands together well they're never going to be able to move the golf club now we will always try and give children 
access to equipment that is the right weight and the right length and all that sort of stuff. But again, that's not always practical to be able to do. So it might just be that they're playing with a heavier club, they're going to do it like that. Well, that's fine. And when they do get access to a club that's a bit lighter, they might bring their hands together and that might be important to them. Yeah, you touched on this in the past where if we as adults sell the drug of like, let's just use the grip since we're talking about that. What are some long-term downfalls that could possibly happen? The drug of instruction. I think for me, as soon as we as the adults start telling children things, they become reliant on it. It's a bit like, um, I don't know, an example might be trying to get out of the house first thing in the morning and tying your child's shoelace because it's the quickest thing to do. And so therefore, if every morning you child you, you tie your child's shoelace, then they don't learn how to tie their shoelace. So a year down the line, they're still not able to do it because you've been rushing out of the house and you've never done, never allowed them to struggle, to learn, to figure things out for themselves. So I think in golf, we've been challenged a lot. Well, if we don't, if we don't get them to do it correctly now, they'll suffer down the line later on. So, okay, well, we don't know what's going to happen down the line. We've got no idea where they're going to do, whether they're going to still keep playing, what they're going to be. But my worry with giving them the, the drug of instruction is they get used to it. They get used to that adult intervention and that help, and they don't, then don't start figuring things out for themselves. So if children know we're there and if children know that we can support them and if children are happy to ask and they're happy to come and, and ask questions and challenge us, I'm, I'm doing this, then I think that's a much more productive relationship to have with children than always being the authoritarian, I know best, I'm going to tell you what to do and you'll listen and I know what's best for you all the way through that pathway. Because so, what, what I've found in the past is children get to, let's, let's say they start at four to eight years old and then they get to 12, 13, 14 and they've got skills and, and that if they've always been told what to do, they get to that skillful stage and I think they're then not open to explore different ways. And I think children then end up with quite fixed mindsets. Not all, not all, but it has been the case often. So, and I think that's why when we started with Jolf, we looked at it in a different way because we I'd seen so many of these children, 15, 16, 17, 18, who were skilled, good players, wanted to, you know, crack on and be experts, but they didn't have an open mindset to learning often. It was never their fault, but I was always intrigued and thinking, why might that be? And then you sort of think back through their stages of development. And I just wonder if, you know, like we said, they got through the door of the club for their first experience and they were immediately told, this is how you do it. This is the club. This is the grip. This is the stance. This is all these different things. And so they're then on that gravy train of, right, I've got to have instruction. I've got to have instruction. I've got to have, the coach is the important person. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, you know, if you just go back to, like what you talked about, you've got kids that are trying to get into college golf. You've got kids who've gone through college golf who want to play on the professional tour. There's so many things along the way that could influence whether they make it or not, whether it's playing other sports or like you said, you know, making mistakes or failing. And if that was hindered at a young age, then that might actually show up at that time when they actually really need it, right? Because as we know, you know, the top players in the world are extremely creative in the way that they can hit the golf ball if they have to be. Yeah, we're starting to put together a, a golfer to golfer and there may be player. But the amounts that go through it, we want children to be golfers. So a golfer is somebody that needs support, can't necessarily play independently, needs a bit of help just to stay safe, play briskly, know where they're going. 
but we want them to be a golfer for a short period of time and then we want them to be a golfer, somebody who can play independently, make the decisions, play safely, play briskly. And that's a big wide pool of children and families. The player pool, I think, is quite small. So a player being somebody who competes, really wants to get better, you know, is in charge of their own learning and has that sort of pathway in place. But I think the industry and adults put so much focus on everybody becoming a player and that's fine but I think it probably is at the expense of a lot of children and young people and families that just want to be golfers they just want to go and play and enjoy the experience and play together and I don't think there's enough for for me I'm not sure whether there's enough opportunity or people are shouting from the rafters of just golfers rather than everybody selling that dream of right everyone can be an elite player how does that tie into you've got the jolfology right some of those principles yeah, so Jolfology is the values and principles that underpin what we do. So when people say, well, how does it all tie in? Well, we, we looked at the experience we were offering. So two or three years ago, we had quite a number of coaches working with us and for us, going into schools, and we wanted to make sure that the essence of our sessions, the essence of our, our experiences, you could, you, you could look at it and say, right, we know it's a Jolf session, we know it's a Jolf co- coach delivering it because it's got – these underpinning values and principles so we're not just saying oh well we've been pga golf coaches for 20 years we know what we're doing so therefore you should listen to us we've thought about it and we we want to have that underpinning i'm I'm going to say principles again but that oomph that oomph that you know why we do it how we do it and what we do um so we we looked at a number of different things so seven seven principles the people the experience the expectations, the environment, the game, the swing, and then the opportunities that are afforded. And, and we, we drill down into those different areas. So every session that we plan, every session that we review, we'll look at those different areas. Um, so it helps us in our review and reflection, and then obviously our planning going forwards. So any session that we run, we look at, well, are, take, for example, the opportunities. Are we offering further playing opportunities are we offering you know if people do want to compete are we offering competition experiences so there might be some children that come to us and they do want to be a player so therefore we would want to support them in finding appropriate competitive opportunities finding the opportunity to go and gain a handicap because that would probably be at the top end of the children that we work with we work with lots of children who are just getting started and don't think the children and the adults involved. I don't think they always have a voice there. I think they're put onto this right start, have coaching, continue to have coaching, and then maybe sometime in the future you go and play. Whereas we're saying start, play, 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 continue to play. And, you know, if then there are certain areas of the sport where you want to learn more, then maybe coaching's appropriate. But we've tried tried to switch it around. I think the coaching comes too early in the journey. And again, you know, I suppose one piece of advice maybe to parents is that playing alongside and, and finding opportunities to go and play, I think is probably more important than receiving coaching all the while. And I say that I say that respectfully. I say that respectfully to probably the work we've done in the past and also maybe to coaches that are listening. It's people's livelihoods. But we've looked at it and thought, hmm, maybe we've got it the wrong way around. And I think what we want to be able to do, and I think we want to, and maybe what we spoke about with your with your podcast is empower parents adults grandparents aunties uncles to go and play with their children even if they've never played golf before 
it's not as scary as you think. No, I would totally agree. And especially now with so many different thoughts and ways that you can actually go out and play on the golf course and, you know, you don't necessarily have to tee it up from the furthest tee box back to you. And you could even, as an adult, you could tee it up from the same distance as your child's playing from or where they're starting, right? I mean, take, for example, the first club that we would probably give a child or an adult who's a driver. It's the lightest. It's got the biggest face. Just hit it along the ground. Dead easy to do. You haven't got to worry about the height. You haven't got to. So the only problem with just using a driver is obviously it's difficult to get out bunkers. But then we say to people just 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 throw it out of a bunker. It doesn't right. matter to start with. But so the first club is a driver, and then the second club might be a sand iron. So if you do need to get out of a bunker, you can. Or if you do need to go over something, and again, you know whether that's different, radical, controversial. I don't know, but that's the way we would often start children and and, and people put a driver in the hand first. I've so often seen people with seven iron moldy grip get the grip on it correctly and just think no missed an opportunity massively missed an opportunity that's that's interesting i've actually never thought of that or even heard anybody doing that before but when you say it it makes so much sense doesn't it especially with just the dynamics of the golf club Uh, and and i wouldn't even i wouldn't even tee it up i wouldn't even put it on a tee just hit off the deck hit it off the deck because because then because then Again, from for me, from a technical perspective, you then start understanding, say, low point. You then start understanding where the middle of the club is. You then start bringing the club in, in the right direction. I mean, one of the things that I <laughs> I really struggle with is seeing young, seeing children and adults seven iron off a tee learning to play. That would be the last thing I would ever do. Just because of how much it can hinder their development in the in the process, yeah. So, so, so yes, it's easier to get it in the air off a tee. But if you, again, you know, if we were to talk about it technically, you start to see what the club's doing and, and going underneath and it's not really compressing. It's not really hitting anything. There's no reaction with the ground. And also, you know, when you go on the golf course, you've got to hit it off the grass. You've got to hit it off the ground. So sure. I think I, I very seldom offer a tee peg to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> If they've got them in the bag and they want to use them, then I've got no problem. But I'll, I'll, I'll very often, very seldom give people T-pegs. It's funny. I just think back to some of the adults that I coached. They were complete beginners. And I take them on the golf course for the first time. It was like a, it's a program called Get Golf Ready. It's like five classes that gets them on the golf course, which actually I don't think it gets them on the golf course soon enough. No. And now looking back on it, I don't think it teaches them the right skills. I remember the students, they would they would get the driver out and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if they should hit this club. And then they teed up only just a little bit. And I'm thinking, geez, it should be teed up higher than that. And then they would hit it and it would roll and it would dribble down and they'd be excited. And I'm thinking, okay, that's wrong. But now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? It totally makes sense why they were doing that. And I should be doing that more and letting them do that. Or just like you said, hitting off the ground. And they had so much confidence with the driver because it was light, big club face. Yeah. They could get the ball moving towards the target. And, uh, I, you know, I'm just thinking this through now as you say that. It just makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, what we've done is we've tried to strip the game back. And I think this is probably what I would challenge, you know, if, if there's coaches listening or if there's, if there's adults, parents, grandparents listening, just strip the game back and what have you got left? Um, we've done a lot of work in the past in a number of schools, children with physical, mental, lots of disabilities. And so we've had to strip the game back as far as we can, even to the point where, you know, we have table golf and we have different ways of delivering the game, but keeping the essence of the game, because the essence of the game is the ball is on the ground in front of us and we're hitting it from point A, where it's not moving, to point B, where it's going to finish. And so then, because we've stripped it back, 
we can then build it. And, and again, what we've tried to do is we strip it back as far as we can for that individual in front of us and then support and guide that individual for them to build the game how they want to play it. And I think that's the really important thing. Rather than the game as we see it being imposed on the individual in the way that we think it should be learned, taught, played. Mm. And I think that's probably when I look out into the industry and I, you know, you, your question earlier on is if you if you're new to the game, what do we what do you do? It's really difficult because you know we've had our own experiences with my children with playing cricket. So never play cricket don't know anything about it but we're learning as we go and I think one of the difficulties is you don't know what you don't know and so you have to be trusting of the people that do know but then do they know what we don't know because <laughs> mm. because even with the terminology you know we've had to get used to a lot of the cricketing terminology and people will you know the coaches and the people in in the organizations they'll just roll this terminology out without a thought to think well do we know what they're talking about? Because often we've got no clue what they're talking about. And I suppose if golf's a great sport, isn't it, for having, you know, dif- different words for the same thing. Wedge, iron, pitching wedge, sand iron, driver. So, you know, all these different names for things that could be this. They're just, they're just whackers, aren't they? They're just clubs. You've got whackers. You've got clubs that hit it in the air, clubs that hit it on the ground. Does it, does it really matter to begin with? No, I agree. So let's move a little bit forward now to the golf course. So we've talked about what I think adults should understand or what you believe adults should understand. And now we've moved to the golf course. So there's a lot of different scenarios on the golf course that a player is going to go through. What should and shouldn't a kid be doing on the golf course? I think first and foremost, people have got to be safe and feel safe. So, So be safe physically and feel safe emotionally and mentally so i think that's both the child and the the family unit and the parents and the adults because if you're safe physically obviously that's quite a positive thing um but but also if you're if you're safe emotionally and mentally then you're going to enjoy it more so i think that's the most important thing so for us you know i talked earlier on about being the bubble wrap being the bubble wrap around the family so that they can feel safe or be safe physically not get hit by a club not get hit by a ball and also feel safe mentally and physically mentally and emotionally take for example with other golfers around you know other golfers can be extremely well-meaning but don't always necessarily know what those people are doing so we had a family experience last week and I was there to speak to the other members just keep people just far enough away from, from our group so that they could just go and play and enjoy it. What we want to be able to do as a business, as a company, is be there for those families to ask those questions. So we've got, as you saw, we've got our, our blog, The Jolf Man, being me, and then we've got our, you know, Ask the Jolf Man. So one part of our membership to our Jolf Club is that people can ask us anything and hopefully they feel confident and confident that they could ask us any ridiculous question and it doesn't matter because you know we found in cricket I'm quite happy to ask the obvious questions I don't mind but we've had to ask some ridiculous questions of the coaches and the organizers and they'll look at me as if well are you stupid I'm like yeah I, I we are cricket stupid like families and adults will be golf stupid and I want to know and the reason I want to know is I want to know for my sake and then I want to know for my my child's sake right um so we we have a Ask the Jolf man at jolf.golf. We've got an email that people can just 
ping us through the most obvious questions and um, we'll, we'll answer them respectfully and in the, in the best way we know how. Not by necessarily telling, but just to say, well, okay, well, we'll work with you so that you can find out your own best way because every right. situation is going to be different. So you let kids be kids in so many different ways. What about letting kids be kids in the golf course? Because there's so many old school etiquette things that kids are supposed to abide to. For example, yeah. you know, no running or no shouting, things like that. So what's your take on that? One of our Jolfology principles is expectations. So we set the bar of expectations of playing safely, playing sensibly and playing fairly. So we would have a conversation with child and adults around. And this is not what we expect others to do we also expect of ourselves. we would demonstrate those values as well so once children know and understand what being safe is and what being sensible is and what being fair is and once we've set that expectation then we can talk them through it and if they run it's a big open space and if they're safe doing it well that's okay if they make noise and it's fairly done then that's going to be fine and again we'll say to families that play together just don't expect your child to stop talking when you play because why would they and and, and why is that important you know we, we we have children that play golf together so child's out hitting it these two these two here are, are, are nattering as they go but the person that's hitting it they're not bothered so why should they keep quiet Do, does it matter no might it matter in the future yes it might let them find out when it matters to them right it's a bit it's also another example of that is is touching the sand in a bunker so all too often when people get onto the golf course oh you can't touch the sand in a bunker why not because it's the rules does it matter no when does it matter we don't know it will matter at some point in the future and when it matters we'll we'll tell you for sure no that that makes sense those rules have got our context but all too often, you'll have done it, I've done it, start a bunker lesson by saying, oh, right, okay, the first rule of bunker play, you can't touch the sand. Right. So, so, so the group of children and adults will nod, right, can't touch the sand, right, okay, we've got that. So then you see them tense up over the golf ball. Oh, but by the way, when you go to hit the golf ball, you must hit the sand, but you just said we can't touch the sand. And then you start to see where, where you've got problems. For sure. And I think thinking about now, it just takes away some of the fun for them. And then, like you said, you, the, the objective is go, to go from A to B. And at this point, does it really matter how you get from A to B? Does it matter that you're abiding by the rules? Does it matter what club you're using? We had one child who you know, came to the coaching sessions and then played in a, an event, went into the bunker and touched the sand before they hit the shot. So it was a competition. So somebody pulled them up on it. Parent came back. I said, how did they get on? Yeah, yeah, did really well, really enjoyed it, loved it. Oh, but how come you'd never said that they couldn't touch the sand? I said, well, it hadn't been important up to then. Does he know it now? Yes, he knows it now. Will he do it again? Well, not in that instance. Well, there you go. There's there's great learning because they then had learning in context. Right. Now, it might be the long way around. Is it is it ethical? But it, but it's, for, me, for me, it's the best way to learn, to learn in situ, in context, on the individual's terms and I think you've, mm. one of the questions you talked about is you know what is purposeful learning purposeful learning is when the, the, the learner is in charge of the learning and I, I was sort of thinking about what's the answer well the, the answer will always be different but now 
if you're following a curriculum, so school curriculum, we need to get from this point here at the beginning of term to that point there, then learning will probably be different. But for us in golf, we don't know what that landscape looks like going forwards. We don't necessarily have that curriculum that we have to follow. I know a lot of coaching programs will, so then behaviours will be different, but we don't. We have this sort of framework and this guidance. So because we don't have that curriculum and we not, we don't have to be in certain places at certain times, then the learner can take charge. And I think that's, again, maybe if adults are listening in, just be led by the learner, be led by the child, be led by what you need to know. And the stuff that we as adults need to know isn't always necessarily what the children need to know mm. and or do. Because, again, I think children need to do more than they know. Right. Because that's often in, in our planning or for our sessions. What do we want children to do? What do we want them to know? And, and again, you know, maybe if an adult is going to the driving range with a child, and I say this coach or parent, what do we want them to do? What do we, what do we want them to need, need them to know? Might be worth some, something worth noting down, whether it be in the mind or whether you just note it on a bit of paper. And I'd always say, do more you need to be doing more than they need to be knowing mm, no that makes sense and on the golf course like when they're for example playing some other things that they should be doing you talk about like should or shouldn't they have a caddy and uh, <laughs> what about and touch on keeping score as well keeping score if you want to make note of the good shots talk about the good ones talk about the bad ones talk about the view talk about that sheep over there um count count, count if you like let them tell you the wrong score. Um, does it matter? Now, people would maybe listen to this and think, well, he doesn't care. We, we do, I do care. And I, and I care about the experience they're having and I care about them wanting to come back and have an experience again. Mm. So therefore, there are a lot of things that I think people care too much about that don't matter. Right. So, you know, at the end of the hole, how many shots did you hit? So the child will go back, they'll think, five, five, I'm going to write five down, and that's okay. I can't remember. Was it 10? Yeah, it was 10. That's that's fine. Right. Now, if it's a competition or an event, I can sort of see how that might be important. But the events that I end up seeing, parents carrying golf bags, parents or adults caddying, parents keeping the score, parents writing down the score, parents making all the decisions so i think if parents are choosing experiences like that for their children i think they've got to review and maybe reflect on well, what experience of the child having so for me i would always want children to carry their own bag i would always want them to as best they can keep their own score right because that's part of the learning process because again, you know, not carrying your own bag, not keeping your own score, not choosing your own golf club, those qualities are not representative of the game of golf. And again, representative, I think, is a really important word to know. So representative is, well, what does the game of golf look like? The game of golf is making your own decisions, making your own way around as best you can, being in charge. And so many of the experiences and events I see children partaking, especially through social media, they're not doing those things. That's quite interesting. So what would you suggest an adult does when a kid's on the golf course? What, what do you think, what would be the best scenario? Play alongside, chat, be the adult. So the adult's responsibility on the golf course is to keep the children safe or be, be there to, to make those adult decisions. 
maybe talk about turns, maybe sort of, you know, we talked about expectations of behaviour, be safe, be sensible, be fair, maybe just to uphold those things. I think the adults got to be clear about what their role is. And I, I see adults, let's just go back to carrying the bag. Why? Well, it's too heavy. Well, then they've got too many clubs in their bag. <laughs> just... Right. Or too many balls. Or too many balls. And, and, you know, if they need that many golf balls, then that's fine. But right. Yeah, or, or, get, or get a trolley. I'm not a big fan of trolleys. I think trolleys, um, I think they they slow down the process. You know, for me, three or four clubs, enough enough clubs in the bag that they can carry it themselves. And also it's their belonging, isn't it? It's a big part of golf. There's your bag. Take care of it. Clean your clubs. You know, we're asking, we're asking children to cherish and treasure and be part of it. And then we're taking all those experiences and moments away from them and you look at social media you know I take a look at it and I see and I think I do wonder you know they, these children may well who knows go on to be very very successful but are they enjoying it are they getting the best out of their experiences are they missing out on some purposeful learning I think I think maybe they are and again I'm hesitant with that because we as adults we always make decisions in the best interest of our child and no one don't think anybody goes out to do it wrong if there is a right or a wrong but I, I don't think people are going out and questioning what they're doing yeah I agree if my children chose to go and play in an event I wouldn't be carrying a bag I wouldn't be their caddy I wouldn't do those things because I think I think then I'm I'm then not allowing them certain learning experiences and, and playful experiences I, I totally agree and again it makes so much sense when you think about it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it's just it's just taking taking a look at these experiences with a critical eye. You know, why are you doing it? Are you helping? Is that child having their best? Are they being their best self? Are they having the best experience possible? Are we turning them into mini adults too soon? You know, you look at. I mean, that that that, that film, the short game that's on Netflix, that I suspect everybody's watched. Mm. And there's so many nice parts of that. Some of the relationships that some of the children have with their parents, the adults, the other children. But then there's also some parts of it where you think, oh my goodness me. And it could all be avoided, couldn't it? Um yeah, yeah. Maybe just somebody standing up and saying, why are we doing this? Why are we why are we as an organization allowing parents to carry their, carry their child's bag? Hmm. Maybe. Uh, now again, that's not me being judgmental, that's just me asking a question. Right. You know, I just want to finish up with a couple questions here. And there's a lot of parents that already play golf, which I think is great. Yep. And there's some that don't yet. But what is it that you find that's so important for the kids' development that you get the whole family involved? And actually, like you've said before, it's not just the parents. You get the grandparents, get the uncles, get the whole Everybody. family involved. So why is that so important in your opinion? Because I think the game of golf is set up perfectly for families to play golf together. You know, that's it. You know, golf as a sport, we, we come back to crazy golf. So if you play crazy golf, the whole family from grandma, grandpa, little two-year-old, everybody can have that experience. So why can't that be transferred to the golf club and the golf course? But I think, excuse me, what's happened is that golf has been either taught, coached or presented to families as individuals. So... If we, if we were to be, you know, dad might play or mum might play and then dad and or mum who doesn't play would go and have their golf lessons to get started. Child's children would then go and have their golf lessons to get started. Grandma and grandpa may or may not play, but they might play away. And never the twain shall meet. No one ever brings it together. Whereas if, 
if we as an organisation or as a sport just said, right, let's get the whole family playing, well, that just seems the obvious thing. And it's only just struck me over the last, I think, six to 12. We've done a lot of it in the past, but it's only just struck me that, well, get the family playing and then every, everybody then wins. Family mm. time together, out in fresh air. Um, it's a sport that still upholds its values well, I believe, you know, in a, in, a, in a world where there's a lot of sports demonstrating some pretty poor values and respect and all these things that golf, I think, still maintains that. I mean, just all the things that you shared and talked about today, I think it does paint a very clear picture for all of us as adults, coaches, parents, grandparents, family members, right, of how we can get involved with the process of the development of our kids. Yep. And how we can easily get on the golf course. And I think after listening to this, anybody can grab a few clubs, a couple balls, take your kids, go out to the golf course and go have some fun. Yeah. And I think if they can't or if they don't feel confident doing that, I think it's having a poor, having somebody somewhere, an organization, and you know, maybe us, maybe somebody just to say, this is what we want to be able to do. How do we get to that point as quickly as possible? You know, Whereas I think in the past, you know, organisations, governing bodies, uh, businesses, coaches, we've we've put in lots of things that people need to do before they get to that point. Mm. Um, whereas what we want to try and do with, with our, you know, I say business and, 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 and as we go forward is take away all those barriers and say, right, go from having that first experience, making that decision, as you've just said, and then just going and playing. No, I totally agree. So if people want to find more out about your program, follow your blog, what would be the best place to find you? So social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, jolf.golf. And also if you go online, you can see our website, jolf.golf, that's got all of the links to blog. People can then join our Jolf Club. So as far as Jolf Club is concerned, it's something new that we've set up over the last six months. You know, we're based in Sussex in South East England. So at the moment, all of our events are in and around Sussex. But as we want to grow, um, we'd love to be able to speak to uh, parents, adults, coaches, clubs who would want to be involved. But even if people just want to ask some questions, you know, we want to be the organisation where people can ask those, if you like, stupid questions, those questions that I don't know what I don't know, so I need to know it. And I don't necessarily want to have the, the sort of traditional way right you must do this and you must do that and you must do the other just get out and play golf just get out and play pitch and putt crazy golf whatever it might be set it up in the back garden set it up on your local field i think a lot of clubs would be ready and willing to receive people they just don't yet know it really for sure i agree so what would be some of your final words of inspiration for raising golfers i think it's just follow the lead of the child I think if we are the adults, I think it's just being respectful to the child and the decisions that they make and always following their lead, giving them, you know, giving them opportunities, giving them access, but letting them be in control of their learning rather than as the adults having to impose, you know. So just being there that when they do want help and when they do want support, we're ready to, to help and support and, and being being happy and comfortable, we say, do you know what? I'm not too sure about that. I don't know. Should we go and find out together? So I think it's following the lead of the child rather than imposing the sport or our way, you know, whether it be coaches or whether it be adults or parents or imposing our way on that child. 
No, I think that's excellent. I, I definitely couldn't have said it any better. So I love that. Yeah, that's great. So Neil, thanks a lot for, for joining me today on the show. I think it was uh, it was a lot of fun chatting with you. And even though we, we had a conversation before, I think there's so much more I even took away from just the conversation today. I know the listeners will. And like I said, the picture you painted for us today of how to get on the golf course and share those experiences and moments as a family I think we're very clear and I hope everybody's now a lot more motivated and more comfortable to get out and play some more golf. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me, Travis. And um, yeah, it's been awesome. All right. That was Neil Plummer from Jolf and what a new perspective on understanding how kids think and what they should experience in the game of golf. And his message to include and involve rather than engage and educate, I think is a very good message for all of us as adults to just take back and think about for a minute and understand that letting the kids experience the game, letting them learn what the game gives them and being able to enjoy the game from the very first experience is such an important part of getting kids involved into the game of golf. I also like what you talked about with different swings for different ages and different kids. And he said that there's a reason that they're holding the club the way they are, whether their hands are split, whether they're swinging one-handed. And I think there is a time when we need to educate the kids, but it doesn't have to be immediately. It doesn't have to be from their first experience. The dynamic of golf is perfect for the entire family. And I think that's the message that he was trying to share in today's episode. And I couldn't agree more. And I hope that all of you can go out and play some golf together as a family. If you're a mom listening and your husband doesn't play, just have him come out, give him a club or two, let him swing the club. Or as Neil recommended, use the driver. Just let him hit the driver the entire time. And if you want to bring out your parents into the game and get the whole family involved, I think it's just a great place for everyone to spend quality time together. And the last thing is, is that I think we just all need to relax the education and the rules and focus more on the experience and having fun for kids. I think if we do that, I think we'll all enjoy the game of golf for a longer period of time and be able to play this as a family for the rest of our lives. If you enjoy listening to our podcast and the information you got from this episode, do us a favor and continue to support us by hitting that subscribe button and giving us a five-star review. Your continued support will help us continue to grow and be able to interview some of the most experienced parents, coaches, and players in the golf industry to help you continue to raise your golfer to their full potential.